Church family, thank you guys uh, for being here uh, this morning. Uh, if you're new to Mission Church, my name is Eric Baker, and I'm the teaching pastor here uh, at Mission, and we are so glad that you have come to be with us here on this Lord's Day. Uh, if you have a Bible, turn with me either on your device or on your personal Bible. If you don't own a Bible, there should be a black Bible located out in front of you somewhere. Please grab that Bible and turn with me to the book of Exodus. We're working through in 2021 the entire book of Exodus, and we have come to Exodus chapter 20. And in Exodus chapter 20, uh, even if you are new to the church, you are new to Jesus, then you have probably heard of these passages. They're known as the Ten Commandments. When I'm old enough to, to know that they used to be placed on uh, like a really cheap poster in my teacher's classrooms growing up. And, um, and so you may be familiar with these things, and there is a great benefit uh, to being familiar, but there's also the temptation to kind of gloss over these, to think that we know everything that God is trying to reveal about himself and to reveal about us and to reveal about Jesus and apply it to our lives. But hopefully, as you will see uh, today, there, there may be a change in the way that maybe you even interpret this passage that we're going to be covering here today. So Exodus chapter 20, uh, we're going to be looking at this commandment uh, found in verse 7. It says this, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will hold him, will not hold him guiltless who takes the name in vain. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. This is the word of the Lord. These commandments, as we've been seeing over the last several weeks, are again not about a begrudging duty that God is placing on his slaves, uh, but rather these are the vows of the covenant that we see inside the Old Testament between a loving, um, just benevolent king uh, father, he is also equated to being the husband, and we see this loving relationship and that in any good, healthy relationship that there should be boundaries, and when people begin to break those boundaries on either side, then bad things begin to, to happen. We've seen in the book of Genesis and in the book of Exodus that there are, again, millions of people now on the planet. There are different people groups, uh, essentially from the time of, of Babel, the Tower of Babel. There are all these people groups. They're speaking in different languages. People are spreading off throughout the world. And yet God um, looked upon a group of people that he would make the Israelites and they would be his chosen people. He could have selected any people group. But he chose them to be uh, his people, his persons, if you will. Uh, just like if you've ever been in a dating relationship, there are many fish in the sea, right? But hopefully the goal is, the God-given directive is, is that out of that you choose one and you do life with them until death does you part. That's, that's God's goal. That's his desire for you and me. We love to go wayward on that. But it's to know that God perfectly has chosen this group of people, the Israelites. And if you are a Christian, if you're truly in Christ today, then we've been 
grafted into God's people, that we are a part of his bride, the New Testament would tell us, and that should give us reason to celebrate. Um, Like in a traditional marriage, now I know that people have gone wayward with this, and and there's lots of independent ladies who don't like to take the last names of their husbands, but in a traditional sense, when people get married, um, and, and I think it would probably still be the majority of people, what happens on that day? She takes the name of her husband. Well, today we're going to talk a lot about what it means, the name of God, what that means, but also what does it mean then for us as the people of God to take as part of our identity and our name, the name of God. Anybody ever heard this passage before? Right? Anybody ever heard this commandment before? Right? Do not take... Do not use God's name like a bad word, right? Let's go to the house. And some of you are like, yes, right? But there's way more to uh, this passage. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So today we're going to be working through, what what does this passage say about God? We're going to talk about Revelation, We're going to talk about, as we've been doing through this series, that this passage of Scripture confronts something within us. What is it saying about us? It's also going to say something about Jesus in the incarnation, and then lastly, give us some sort of application, all right? So, Revelation, what does this passage say about God? We need to understand something this morning, that in ancient times, name, names, your name really meant something. It wasn't just cool and hip, right? It actually meant something about your identity. It described something about you. I mean, when you start out in the book of Genesis, you've got the name Adam, right? Well, what does Adam mean? Dirt. Red dirt. All right? Uh, Red dirt. Why does that make, uh, why does that make sense though? How does God create Adam? From the dirt of the earth. Also, you get the name Eve. Anybody know what the name Eve means? It means like the living, life. The mother, she's described in the Bible, the mother of all things. Where does life come from? It comes from mamas. Conceiving, bearing children, giving birth. That is a beautiful thing, right? Um, inside of the, the, the Bible, inside of the story, there is these brothers, right? They're Jacob and Esau. Do y'all remember that story? They get, they're twins, they, but they're not identical. And it, 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 in that story, it's a really crazy story, but it says that, that, that Esau is born first, but as they're, they're being birthed, that the younger twin, by just a few seconds, is holding on to his brother's heel. Do you know what the name Jacob means? By his heel, holding on to his heel. All right? So in ancient times, name, they mean things. We even learned in the book of Exodus that the word Moses means from the water. Why? Because that's where Pharaoh's daughter found Moses was in the basket, right? From the water. He was taken from the water. His name is Moses. You know, but for us, we don't really think about that, do we? 
We have some of you who are with child, and that's awesome. We can't wait to celebrate those times and moments with you. Maybe you get on Google and you're searching like, what's the coolest names of 2021, right? You're trying to pick out. You're just thinking, man, this is cool right here. Now, you may later go on to for, you know, not like that, all right? People can do some weird and crazy things with names, um, but we don't really think about that. Like my sister, her name is Jennifer. Her name means white wave. Congratulations. Uh, the name Michael means like um, who is God, who is or who is like God. Again, Adam means dirt. Todd means fox. Right? Megan means pearl. Stephanie means garland or crown. And Ryan, Clyde, means little, clean, little king. And he is the king of our street. All right? So we don't really think about these things. I mean, my, my wife's name is Laura. It's a beautiful name. She's named after a tree. My daughter, Ava, she's named after a bird. I mean, we don't really think about these things when we go to naming people. But in ancient times, these names meant something. And, and God's name, this, the name of the Lord, look at your word there, look at your Bible there, notice it's capital, L-O-R-D. And so we know from this series, as we've been teaching earlier in Exodus chapter 3, that any time that you read your Bible and you see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that it is, a, it is placing in the scribes are placing that name Lord where the holy name of God should be. See, the name of the Lord is, is Yahweh in the way that we would pronounce it, and it's saying something about his character. Now, this morning, I do not have time to dive into all of those nuances of God's name as I did. So if you go back to missionbg.com, look at Exodus chapter 3 in our sermon series, I spent a good hour talking about the very name of God and what yod Hey vah Hey means, yah Way means. But we see that in this text, you shall not take the name of the L-O-R-D of Yahweh, your God, in vain. Now, when God says that this is his name, he tells us back in Exodus chapter 3, he says, well, Moses says, what, what name should I tell people that I'm coming in? And he says, I am, right? And then he goes on to say, I am that I am. God is telling him that in his name, in the actual Hebrew language, that God's name is be, or I am being, or I have always been. I am been, having always been. This is the most holy name of, of God, which is Yahweh. Meaning this, he has always been God. He is not created he is in eternity's past, he's in the very present, and he will be in eternity's future. God has always been God. He declares himself in his very name that he is the sovereign king who has always been. See, God is declaring something more than just a generic nickname for himself. Anybody got a really bad nickname? Maybe you don't know it. That's how bad it is. We've kept it from you, all right? God is not giving himself just some flippant name or he thinks that it's cool. I mean, my, my son, Elijah Cash, is named after two prophets, all right? Elijah from the Bible and Johnny Cash, the man in black. 
It had significance, but, but for, again, most of us, uh, we don't think about those sorts of things. God is not being flippant or just thinking that this is cool, all right, or naming our, himself after some movie or something. God is saying that he is, that he is and has always been. He is, he's taking his name very seriously, and he wants his people to take his name very seriously as well. He is saying in this commandment that his name should not be taken or abused in any way. After these things were written, inside of early Judaism, they really wanted to make sure that they did not abuse the name of God. So in, in, in their lives, they would not even say the name Yahweh. So what did they do? They took, in the Hebrew language, the, the consonants there, yod hey vod hey, and they combined them with the word Adonai. Anybody ever heard the word Adonai? You've been around church long enough to hear the word Adonai. And they took the vowels from the word Adonai and slammed them together with the consonants. That's how we get the pronunciation of Yahweh or, or, or very close to that. So that every time when they came to this passage or any of these passages where the capital L, capital O, capital R, that's why it's being replaced. Instead of the name Yahweh being replaced, they've made up a word to put into its place so that no one would ever break this command. Later on, um, we weren't even for sure, uh, or we didn't even know in, in Christian history that they had really made up this word until later on in Christian history. And so we translated that to the word Jehovah. How many of you guys have ever heard that word, Jehovah? It's a made-up word. It doesn't really exist. It, well, it exists, but it's not a biblical word, all right? Christian history made it up in order to make sure that people weren't saying Yahweh, that they, they weren't using God's name flippantly, that they were taking it, again, very, very seriously. The third commandment was taken so seriously inside of Israel um, that, that when the scribes began to write out the New Testament and make copies of it, is what they would do is, is when they would come to the most holy name of God and they were to, whenever they were translating the Bible is, is that, or the Old Testament specifically, is that, that you wouldn't do it. We, we copy word for word, right? C, and then you go here and you write C, or you may even say C spot run and you have it in your mind and you come over here and write C spot run. Everybody follow me? Well, when they're making copies of the Old Testament in ancient times in Judaism, they wouldn't do that. They would typically take a, a quill, uh, some sort of ink, and you would write, if the first word is C, you would write the word S. And you'd come over here and you write S. And then you go back over here and look at the next letter, E. And then you come back over here and E. And then you come over here, E, E. Okay? But whenever they got to the most holy name of God, a Jewish scribe would go take a bath, cleanse himself, come back, write out the word, and then go take another bath. Inside of Christendom, they wanted to take the, the name of God so holy when they were transcribing the Bibles and they didn't want to make any mistakes that, that oftentimes it's, it's talked about in history that when they came to the most holy name of God is that they would use a brand new quill, all right, a brand new pen. They would write out the name of God 
And then they would throw that pen away and they'd start all over. So imagine if you're the one that's transcribing the Bible or copying the text every time you come to the holy name of God, how many baths you're taking. I don't care what celebrities do, <laughs> if you've paid attention to the news this week. Um, or you're using a brand new pen. Why? Because they're trying to obey this command, this idea of the most holy name of God. So go back and listen to that sermon, find out more about what it means and what that name means, and then come back and listen to this sermon again. But God is saying something again about his character and nature and what he's wanting to, us to do about his character and nature. So this ultimately confronts something in you and I, right? And this is the things that your good mamas and daddies have taught you about. When it comes to this passage, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, right? Oh, don't use the Lord's name in vain. It confronts something about us. And what does it confront? Well, traditionally, what most of us have been taught in here is that it, it confronts something about our words. It confronts something about our speech. That the, the Bible is telling us in this place and in other places that our words matters. That, that, that your speech matters, how many of you guys have ever heard this? Well, there's no such thing as any, there are no cuss words on the planet except for using God's name in vain. Everybody heard that before? Right? It's, again, trying to attribute something special to this very idea. We haven't taken for, we need to make sure that we're being very careful and using the name of God. See, every time, and be careful with what I'm about to say here, Every time that we say, God damn blank, we are not taking seriously, one, who God is. Secondly, we are not taking seriously his wrathful judgment on people. I mean, think about this for a moment. Anytime that that is used by you or by me or by someone else, that you are literally calling upon God like a curse to damn someone or something. That is a serious offense. You're asking maybe even God to do something that goes against his character. You may even be doing and asking God to do that towards someone who is ultimately his. His. Do you understand that your language and your speech, that it matters. We need to understand the seriousness of that phrase, but we need to understand the seriousness of using God's way, his name. Why? Because his name is equated to and reveals something about his identity, about his nature. I mean, how many of us have ever, um, you know, and let's ask this hypothetically this morning, have ever been flippant in saying the name of God? And we use the word G's or OMG. Or I swear to God, right? Your yes can't be yes and your no can't be no. So what do you do? You bring God into it to try to set yourself up. Like I, I, I promise to God, I swear to God. See, so you're bringing the Lord into something in hoping to, to boister yourself up that may not be reflective of 
who God is. We say things like, man, Jesus take the wheel, right? Christian t-shirts that are really bad. God is wiser. You're, you're old, if you know what I'm referencing there. God's gym. Like, God ain't got a gym, bro. All right? God answers an email. Really bad church signs. Can all be taking the name of the Lord in vain. When Moses is writing this out, he is not thinking of the word damn it attached to the name of God. That would not have computed to him. He was thinking about something even much deeper and richer than the use of language. When we begin to equate God to a particular political party, you're taking God's name in vain. God is pro-mask. God is anti-mask. God is pro-America. If you mean that above other nations, then you're taking God's name in vain. Because again, you're equating something that is in God's character, that it's in his plan, and attaching it to yours to make yours sound what? Like this is even more weightiness. Like this carries even more gusto to it because, man, we're God's country, right? Every war that America goes to, we believe is right because we're God's country. This is God's nation. Now, it's taking the name of the Lord's, it's taking his name in vain. It's taking his character in, in vain, actually. We don't often think about those sorts of things. Uh, another way of taking, maybe using our speech to take the Lord's name in vain is, the, is going up to people and saying things like this, like, the Lord wanted me to tell you something. You have just, what? Sat into the position of the throne of God, saying that God, you have a direct connection to God's very voice, and he is telling you to go and to tell someone this. What if he is not? You know, people have killed their kids and, and have stood trial and have said, well, God told me to do it. That's taking the name of the Lord, not as seriously. God told me, uh, even in our money, right? It says, in God we trust. Well, if we don't really trust God, then what are we doing with that? We're taking his name in vain. All right? Now, I mess with my mom. Hi, mom. You may be watching this this morning or you're going to watch it this week. And we mess with my mom about this all the time. We still do. Because uh, watching a movie with my mom is always really interesting. Um, and it doesn't matter what the movie is. If the language gets kind of off course, and maybe we should all be more like my mom. All right? But my mom gives the movie sound effects. So you'd be sitting there watching a the movie and people are just getting murdered. Like, yeah. <laughs> Right? I mean, they're just getting just totally just murders happening. People are stealing. People are committing adultery. You hear absolutely nothing from my good nana, my mama. 
right? But the language start going coarse or, or them start using God's name in vain the way that we've tr- traditionally been, 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 been taught it. And what does my mom begin to do? Stand. This language is rough. I fly away. No joke. You can turn around and ask my family. That's exactly what it's like. Mm, Jesus, help us. Mm, she keep on watching, though, till the credits are over. <laughs> All right? <laughs> she, when people steal, when thieves steal stuff, she's like, mm, sinners be stealing. She don't be doing that. But use bad words. And mom's like, mm, mm, mm. What happened? I'm lost. What's going on? Mm, shoo. Words. And bad words. Mind you, none of the rest of the sin, but words. Now, if you're sitting here this morning and, um, and you're like, man, finally, finally, a commandment I have not broken, or I'm not currently breaking, right? And you're like, man, thank goodness. Finally got the one. I'm not using God's name in vain. You know, I don't say Jesus take the will. I don't use OMGs. Um, I don't say the word G's, which is abbreviation. It's short for Jesus. You're sitting there and you're going like, yes, finally. Is this what this passage means? Not primarily. Are these things that I'm telling you true? Absolutely. Can we, can we see hints of this in the passage or in other passage, passages? Absolutely. But Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, when it says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name is in vain, is not primarily about what you say with your mouth. Think about this just for a minute. Let's look at it. The word take. What does that mean? Well, in the original Hebrew, it means to carry. It means to bear. It means to take the name. God is saying here, like, these are my people. He he uses this idea of these passages and this concept throughout all of Genesis through Revelation, this idea of like when you become a Christian, when you become a follower of Jesus, when God saves us, what has he done? He writes his holy name upon you. He seals you in his name. The Holy Spirit is sealing you in the very name of Jesus, in the very name of God, that it is attributed to you. You know, Laura has my last name. She is marked by me. She has taken it. She is carrying it. She writes it. It is something now about her identity. And God is saying in this very passage, again, all those Things about language are true, but those are secondary. They're not the primary interpretation of what's really taking place here. God is saying something much deeper. You shall not carry my name. You shall not 
bear my name. The Lord your God in vain. What does the word vain mean? Well, in the original language, it means to be frivolous. It means empty. It means worthless. It means not having any real lasting value. It means fraud. It means deceit. It means lie. It means falsehood. So let's interpret this. Let's be good interpreters here. Let's be good Bible readers here. The primary meaning of what the Lord is saying here is here's the deal. You are my people. Has he already saved these people? He has. He calls them his most treasured possession. He has chosen them as a husband would a faithful wife. He has, he's chosen this group of people. And what does he do? He has given them my name. And so when it comes to this passage of what God is trying to say is, is that God is trying to say that we should go beyond just, again, using God's name flippantly, but that ultimately that God is saying, don't claim to be a follower of Jesus. Don't claim to be a follower of God and not really be. Do not carry the name. Do not bear the name. Are you a Christian? Absolutely. And then live a life of emptiness. Live a life of deceit. Live a life of hypocrisy. Live a life that is contradictory to that. I mean, if, if we were to go out here today, and again, I know uh, this is not to, to pick on ladies. I'm just using this as form an example because that's the way the Bible uses typically husband and wife, right? So ladies, please don't be offended by this because I know that lots of men cheat. And men probably cheat more than women. But if we were to go out here today and, and we were to find out that, that my precious wife had, had, had multiple affairs on me, had been cheating on me with other men. Though she has my last name, she would not be reflecting who she is connected to me. She would not be reflected that we are born bone of bone and flesh of flesh, right? She would have eyes for the another. She would be giving her life to another. See, all of these commandments are connected to each other. God is saying to his people, he's like, if I'm giving you the gift of salvation, I'm declaring, as he has said, I will be your God and you will be my people. Then don't claim to know me. Don't claim to be in relationship with me. Don't take my name and disgrace it by, by saying that you are mine and then living your life contradictory to what I've declared for you and I to live like. We see this transplace, right? Again, if you were to skip ahead to the New Testament, the Jews at the time of Jesus, what were they really good about? They, they didn't use the Lord's name in vain. They were very serious about that. And they killed Jesus. And they killed Jesus. We love God. The Lord God is one. It's known as the Shema. Jewish people would pray it in the morning. They would pray it in the evening. The Lord God is one. Love the Lord God with all of your heart. They would do these things. They would say these things. They would claim this sort of relationship. And yet when, when God in the flesh actually came, what did they do? They killed him. 
We know this as nominal Christianity. What does nominal mean? It means by name only, meaning they, they claim, they assume that, that they are Christians. Maybe they said a sinner's prayer. Maybe they got baptized. Maybe they even joined a church. They would claim identity. I am my beloved's and he is mine. Like if you look on the tag of my church, it says Jesus saves, Right? They claim all of these sorts of things, but when it really boils down to the condition of their heart, when it really boils down to their identity, then their identity is not found in Christ. See, true belief in faith without life commitment and obedience is non-existent in true biblical Christianity. It makes no sense to read the book from Genesis to Revelation and come up with this idea of belief and faith that is apart from delight and devotion to the God of the Bible. Some of you guys have heard this before, but when Ava was really, really little, uh, we used to use this in our home. Is like uh, we would say things like when she would go wayward, uh, when she would be, you know, smart, when she would not listen. Um, all, the, all these sorts of things that we would often get down on our knees when we look at Ava, and we would say and ask Ava this question, are you going to be a part of Team Baker? Or are you going to be Team Ava? What were we trying to say? How many of you guys have parents? Well, we're Yorks, and we don't act like that, right? We're Hazels. We're not going to like that. Heirs? Your last name is Ayers, and the Ayers don't act like that. Are you going to be a part of Team Ayers, or are you going to do your own little thing, little man? Because <laughs> it says something about your identity. Are you going to be stubborn? Are you going to make your own way? I'm going to, you know, this is what I'm going to do. Here's the deal. You can either be a part of Team Baker and things are going to go much better for you. There's going to be many blessings for you. But, it, but if you go Team Maddox all by yourself, then that's on you, kid. God's saying don't take the name. Don't claim to have the name. And not be possessed by me. That's what you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain primarily means. Does it confront something about your words? Absolutely. But it primarily confronts something about your works, your heart. Now, God isn't saying work your way to heaven here. saying, don't abuse my name. And isn't this the most popular thing that we're experiencing inside of American Christianity, inside the, the Bible Belt, inside the South, is, is this idea, man, it's, it's hard to do evangelism. Why? why? Why would I ever need to go to church? Why do I ever need to come to Jesus? I mean, I'm a Christian. The pastor, I, I walked an aisle one time. I repeated this prayer one time. I even got baptized. And at the end of the, the preacher said, man, if I would do X, Y, and Z, then... Man, you're really saved. And then these people go and live their lives contrary to the God whom they say that they're in relationship with. 
it, it, it's illogical for us to live in such a way, to claim to be in relationship with God and yet live contrary to what he has called us to. In this passage, he continues and he says, what's the outcome of this? He's like, I will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. He says this in a variety of different ways throughout the Bible, though, doesn't he? I mean, isn't it make sense? These people aren't truly Christians. They're not truly followers of God. And, and they will reap what they sow. They will experience the righteous judgment of God upon their lives. Why? Because they're not really a part of God's family. They're professing it with their mouth, but they're not possessing it in their hearts. It doesn't, he doesn't po possess them. And yet, if you get the, the census, the 2020 census, and it says religion, man, you, you mark Christianity, right? You're claiming God's name is on you and in you. And yet it's not. Go on in the Leviticus chapter 24. Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. Uh, Jesus would say in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say. And I think this is the scariest passage inside the Bible. It's found in Matthew chapter 7 when it says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your, what? Name? And in your name, cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You with me? God is warning us, he's confronting us because he's going to say, man, there's going to be lots of people. There's going to be lots of people who claim to have a relationship with me. And they're false converts. And they're going to be rightfully punished. Man, what a heavy passage. What does it say about the Incarnation. What does this passage say about Jesus? How does it point us to Jesus? We better hope it points us to Jesus. This Christmas story in the Gospels tells us that, that Mary and Joseph didn't choose the name Jesus. They didn't get out the you know, book of, of, of names for kids and pick out a cool one. But rather, it was commanded from heaven. The name Jesus was a common name during this time. It's, it's derived from the word, or the, from the name Joshua, which means the Lord is salvation. The Lord saves. That's where we get the name. Is, is Jesus is a derivative of, of, of the word Joshua. It means God saves. The Lord saves. While we're called to bear correctly, and carry the name of Jesus, or God, correctly. What do we learn about Jesus? This points us to the gospel is because Jesus was the one who could only truly bear God's name perfectly. You and I are constantly filled with hypocrisy, aren't we? 
Now, that doesn't excuse the idea of just going ahead and living this life out here vicariously apart from God. But, but the reality is, is that on the day-to-day, many of us, all of us in this room, are, are struggling to bear and to carry the name of God perfectly because we can't. But there is one who did, and his name is Jesus. And God's name, his essence, everything that is in God's character and nature, guess what it has been imputed to? It is in the person and work of Jesus himself. He fulfilled the definition Jesus fulfilled this commandment perfectly. It is part of his mission. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for what? He shall save his people from their sins. See how his name equates to what his mission is? His name equates to the fulfillment of his actual identity. The name Jesus speaks to the fact that Jesus and only Jesus can save his people from sin, Satan, and death. Jesus would even later teach us to pray, what? Hallowed be thy name. Holy is thy name. Distinct is the name of God. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which... We must be saved. And what is that name? That name is the name of Jesus. We can bear the name of God because Jesus bared it perfectly. He was never vain with it. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 10, it says, Therefore God has highly exalted him, speaking of Jesus, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth this morning's passage points us thank goodness that we are on the side of the the cross and resurrection of Jesus this morning as we're still called to obey this commandment absolutely Brothers and sisters, friends in this room, God takes salvation seriously. He does not want want people just name-dropping Him as being their Savior if, if He's not really your Savior. And how does He become your Savior? Through the person and work of Jesus. Through the person and work of Jesus, then you can actually come to God. The days of nominal Christianity must be over. The idea of professing relationship with Jesus, and yet he not, him not being above all other things, the Lord and Savior and King of your very life, is to miss this commandment. It is to miss Jesus And by His grace, you showed up here this morning. Application. Your words and works match the name that you have been given. As God has softened your heart, your heart is stone, and the Lord has turned that to flesh, and He has written His name upon you. 
Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The name Jesus. The name Jesus. Do you know this Jesus? Like, do you really know this Jesus? Are, are you just Christian by name only? Or has Jesus really arrested your hearts? Has he arrested our hearts, Mission Church? Above all else, Jesus must be our everything. Why? Because his name is directly connected to who he is and what he does. And what does Jesus do? Jesus saves. Our only hope in order to truly be given this ultimate name, the name of God to be written on our hearts, is for us to be in a genuine relationship with Jesus. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. In 1 John chapter 5, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Brothers and sisters, if you stand before God and name drop Eric Baker, there is no hope for you. You will not stand before your husband, ladies. Husbands, you will not stand before your wives. You will not stand before your pastors. You will not stand before kings and presidents and queens. You will stand before an almighty, holy God. And may you plead one name. His name is Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Kings and kingdoms, it will all pass away. But there's something about that name. And when you understand that that name represents God himself. The only right response is to open up your entire life in complete submission to him. So non-Christian this morning, will you come to this Jesus? Only he can save Nominal Christian, and our prayer for you this morning is that God would remove the sinful scales from your eyes because the hardest people to reach are people who believe that they already have Jesus. We pray graciously that the Lord would remove those scales from your eyes and that you would truly come in repentance and faith and trust that Jesus of the Bible, the name above all names. Let's pray together.